So it's the final week in this series, and so throughout the series we've been asking questions. It's all been questions, and so the overall series question was, what does it mean to be a neighbor? Then the next week we talked about, are you a volunteer or are you a disciple for Jesus? And really we looked at what it means to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, to truly understand what it means to have Jesus as Lord over our life. And then last week we, we asked this question is, who do you have room in your heart for this year that you didn't have room for last year? Kind of coming, <clears throat> excuse me, coming to the realization that we have to make room for people in our lives, that it's not going to be easy all the time, but we do have to make choices to make room for people. And so today the question that we're going to be asking, the opening question is, who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And I want to personalize it because I kind of feel left out. I want to say, who is my neighbor? So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys and I'm going to ask myself, but who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And so we've been reading over this story over and over and over, over the past four weeks, and we're going to read it one more time, but it's the Good Samaritan story, and it's found in Luke 10. And so as we read this, I just want, like, it's our last chance together to kind of unpack this story. And so make it worth it. Like, put yourself as some of the characters in the story, whether it is the man on the side of the road who is beaten, or if you're going to be, think about yourself as the priest or the Levite, or if you're going to think of yourself as the Good Samaritan. But really put yourself in this story and understand what Jesus is trying to explain when he talks about loving our neighbors. And so this is what, this is where we pick it up in verse 29. It says, the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And so we've been reading this story each week to kind of intro the talks, to kind of just, you know, set it as a framework for what we're talking about when we're asking the question, you know, will you be my neighbor? And today's question is, who is my neighbor? And so we read that story, and so um, if this is your first time hearing it or reading it before, it's basically explaining the importance of loving our neighbors by by making a person who we hate the most as the hero of the story. That's what Jesus did in this instance. I can imagine Jesus kind of just sitting there and thinking, okay, what could I do? What, could, what story could I tell to show 
everyone here how much God loves them, but also teach them about how to love other people. And so he's like, I imagine him just thinking to himself and saying, you know what, you know what I'll do? Is I'm going to take the most hated person in our culture today, and I'm going to make him the hero of the story and see how people react to it. And that's what Jesus does here, is he takes a Samaritan who, if you know the history of Israel, is like there's two kingdoms, they split up, and then one, the southern kingdom is exiled, they come back, and the northern kingdom has been there the whole time, and, and so then there's this division. And so the northern kingdom become these people known as the Samaritans. And basically, the southern kingdom, the Jews, looked at them and said, you know what, these people are not our people. These people are not like us. These people are not who we are. They're like half-breeds. They're, like, they're just not worthy of the calling that we have. And so Jesus says, I'm going to take these people in, in this story, and I'm going to make them the hero. The Samaritan saves the Jewish person when the Jewish own brothers, the, the temple teacher, and then the priest don't do anything for their own brother. But it's the hated, the despised Samaritan who's the one that goes to the man on the side of the road and helps them and takes care of him. And so have, you, have we read this enough now? Like we've read it four weeks in a row. And so I don't know about you, but like, I'll, like I might like drive by the Good Samaritan Hospital in Puyallup and it's like this trigger in my mind that's like, oh yeah, the Good Samaritan. I've heard all about that the last four weeks. And so it's like there's this thing in your brain where you're like, you hear parts of the story, like different questions like, who is my neighbor, 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 neighbor? Like when you're driving by. Or like, he felt compassion for him. For him, for him, for him. It's like super cheesy stuff. And kind of like crazy. But that's what goes through my brain. So I hope that happens for one of you. That would be like pastor goals is like that happens. Like when you pass any sign that says Good Samaritan, that you would actually think about parts of the story of the Good Samaritan. Because it just shows that like we're actually doing a job of explaining it, you know? Like, and so that's our, we use uh, subliminal messaging. And so that's what we're trying to do is like trigger you guys into having, to loving people. And so if we can do that. But maybe this over this last weekend, you've been triggered in a different way. And so if I'm being truly honest, I've been really thinking about this specific story a lot when you talk about the events of this weekend and the things that our country is walking through right now. When we're talking about the different immigration statuses of people from different countries, whether it's Iran, Iraq, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen. And I think about those things, and I think about just the situations that many of those immigrants are walking through right now. And I think, like, I think that this story also applies to them as well. Like, we have to understand that they also are neighbors. And so before you roll your eyes in the back of your head, it's like, oh, it's Jaden, the political pastor, who's bringing up things that are in current events. It's like, why does he always do this? It's like, I'm here to say I'm not an expert in immigration law. And so if I was, and if I knew had all the answers, I would run for president in 2024 when I'm first eligible. And so I would just, you know, say, you know what? I have all the answers. I'm going to run for president, you know, and so, but I'm not going to do that because I don't have all the answers. But I do know that as someone who truly believes the Good Samaritan story is what Jesus said and how he wants us to live 
in our lives and everyday life with the people around us, I also understand that that story has to apply to everyone. That it's not just an American gospel. That there are people all across the world today or like earlier today since the time change and stuff like that. But they open up their Bibles all across this world and different churches across the world. And they read different stories in the Bible. And maybe I'm sure there's someone else in all the world that opened up the Good Samaritan story today. And ask, they're asking their, themselves the same question. Who is my neighbor? And so I can't just ask these questions and think, oh, who is my neighbor here in Bonnie Lake or in Washington or in the United States? I have to also think, who is my neighbor globally? Because we are a global church. We are joined together as a community of believers all across the world. And so we're all proclaiming that we profess the love of Jesus that says when we encounter someone who is beaten and cast aside on the side of the road, we have the honor and mandate to care for them, to love them, and to show them mercy. And so when I read about families that are being stranded in airports all across the world, and when I hear about people who like literally can't come back to their job that they legally have in the United States or to an apartment in the United States that they legally have, like I get frustrated and I wonder, okay, like, is there not a better way that we could have done this? And that's just me as a Christian speaking. And so this is not my political party. This is not my thing. But this is me, Jaden Christian, standing up here saying, like, that just is not wrong. Or that is wrong. Like, when I'm thinking about who is my neighbor, is like, I immediately think of, in Jesus' story, who would say, who would you say was a neighbor to the man attacked by bandits? And it's the one who showed him mercy. And so I'm going to always revert to showing people mercy. I'm always going to revert to showing people love, to showing people kindness. And so I know that doesn't answer all the political questions. It doesn't answer all the immigration questions. And it doesn't answer the things that we're walking through as a country. But as a big picture and global view, we have to understand that this story has global impact. It has community impact, but it also has global impact with where we are today. And I think it's short-sighted if we just ask the questions, how does this Good Samaritan story affect me in my neighborhood with my neighbors or in my community of Bonnie Lake? But we also have to ask the questions and say, how does this Good Samaritan story apply to our nation? How does this Good Samaritan story apply to our world? And so that's just my challenge. I'm not here to convince you of anything differently. Just turn on Facebook and read something and be convinced. But, but that's just my two cents to say we need to be people of love. We need to be people of mercy. And we need to be people who ask the questions, not just spew what we think we know. But to be people that dig, dig into the gospel and dig what it means for our time right now. And so, but as we impact these questions today, these questions that we're talking about are specifically for us, for us in this community. They're really framed for that. But as you think of these questions, you can also apply them to different things. But as from here on, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a neighbor in our neighborhoods. And so the first question I want to ask is, how do you see your neighbor? How do I see my neighbor? How do you see them? 
So it's easy to identify your neighbor by what you see. Maybe you look at different houses and you see, oh, there's the junkie house, or there's the house with the bad paint job, or there's the house that has the cops at it every single day, or there's the cops, or there's the house that has the crazy dog. That's like, I'm worried that we're becoming that family. And so uh, that's just uh, a window to my life. And so, like, we all do it. You're like, I know which houses have dogs, so I'm like, you know, like, I'm going to avoid those ones so that there's not like a fight in the middle of my neighborhood over dogs or anything. And so we do that. We judge people. And I'm not saying judge in a bad way, but we just have those first impressions or the things that we see. But what if we looked past those markers and we're able to see and understand people as people? Like to understand that everyone is made in the image of God and to say, you know what, there's a person that lives in that house who God made. And even though I sometimes can't see it, I can't find the good things, but I can know that they are a person that deserves love, that deserves the mercy that Jesus talks about in this story. They're people that have stories. And so sometimes I'm, I'm trying to walk a little bit more with Walter Um, so that he gets some energy and I get some exercise. And so I've been trying to do that and just kind of seeing like, you know, maybe I'll see a neighbor and I'll be able to introduce myself. And most of the time, no one wants to talk. You like, I try to like look and see if they're going to make eye contact. No one makes eye contact. And so I like, I'll like tell Walter, like if I have Walter with me, I can get him to like attack them and so then I can be able to talk to him. But I don't really want that to happen. But Walter's my dog. I always have to clarify. I just talk about Walter, and then Thad's like, you know, some people might think Walter is your child. And I was like, that would be really weird when I talk about him, like, licking my face or stuff like that. I mean, that's fine. It's cool if your kids lick your faces, but I, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes, I guess. But as I've been walking through my neighborhood, I've been wondering about the people that live inside the houses, and I just wonder... Why are they the way they are? Like, I wonder where they grew up. I wonder how they were brought up in life. I wonder if they, like, have gone through hardship or trial through their lives. I wonder what their family is like. I wonder what kind of hardships that they've faced in the last year. And it's like, and it's kind of hard because it's like, that's a bucket to, like, open. That's like, a can of worms for people, because if someone of my neighbors asked me, you know, how was the last year of your life been? I'd be like, oh, you really don't want to know. Let's just, like, skim past that. But that's where community comes from. And if we see people as people, if we were able to ask those questions of who they are, then we can get to know and understand them as people and not just a label or a marker of the way that we judge them. You can look at them according to a label or annoyance and just pass them by, but then that kind of just shows that they're not worth my time, that I'm just like the priest that walks on the other side of the road because it's like not worth it. I'm just not going to handle that. Or you can look at them as a person and say, you know what, if I was in their situation, how much would it mean to me if someone came to just say hello? And so we read in Luke 10, 33, this is what Jesus says to the Samaritan. It says, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So the Samaritan could have looked at that Jewish person on the side of the road and said, this guy hates me, 
It's not even worth my time to go and help him because he's not going to appreciate it. But Jesus says, he uses this story to say, no, people are worth your time. People who are hurt, people who are wounded, people who are broken are worth your time, even if they're not going to appreciate it. Even if they do hate your guts, it's still worth it. So question two is how do you treat your neighbor? How do I treat my neighbors? And so oftentimes you treat your neighbor the way that you see them. And so this goes, kind of goes back to the last question. You have to see them as people, and then you can treat them as people. But if we look at the Samaritan, he saw the man, and he used his time, his talents, and treasure to make the man well. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. He uses time, his talents, and his treasure. He uses time, and sometimes that takes patience. It takes time to help people in need. It takes time to help people with their cars or their yard or their furnace. None of those things I can do. So don't ask me for that. I'm willing to come watch you try and like fix it. But I'm more of a guy that can help you with your Xbox or your TV or maybe your computer. But I'm like more electronical in that sense. And so um, if you do have bamboo in your yard and you're trying to get rid of it, I'll tell you how to get rid of it. But I'm not going to help you because it is the worst experience you've ever had in your life. And so I'm talking a years-long process, and it never ends. So... But it just shows you, sometimes it's worth it. It's always worth it to invest your time into people. But what about your talents? I think to invest your talents into people takes acknowledgement. And you know, I have a neighbor who, who like is really good at organizing stuff. He's really good at mobilizing people to come together as a neighborhood and kind of put on these cool events. And so last summer we did the... I live in Falling Water, and so we did the Falling Water 4th of July, and it was cool. And the guy's name is Craig, and he just brings everyone together and says, like, you do this, you do this, we'll raise a bunch of money, and then we'll have this awesome fireworks show. And so I got roped into helping with my talents in as far as, like, sound and, like, video stuff. And so I was there, you know, um, playing music and helping with all that stuff. And so it was kind of funny because I'm like kind of showing him like, how good of a fireworks thing is this really going to be? I'm like, do I want to go to Seattle and like go to the big crowds and stuff like that? And like, you know, am I going to be missing out? And so like I was blown away, like almost literally we got how many fireworks were there and how awesome it was. And so I'm inviting everyone this 4th of July if we're doing it. So but you should come to the Falling Water 4th, and it will be awesome. Um, just do help us donate, then we can buy more fireworks. And so, but it was just cool to see the mobilization of a community bringing our talents together to make something awesome for our neighborhood, for our different neighbors. And so it takes acknowledgement, though, to acknowledge that other people have skills that I don't have. It also takes the time to understand and get to know people so you can know those things about them. And so finally, you have treasure. And so this takes opportunity. We have to find the opportunities to invest 
in our neighbors. And so whether this is you providing a meal for someone who might be going through a sickness or who just had a baby or who's going through a hard time, you said, you know, I'm bringing over some cookies. I think you need them. Um, I hope they don't bring those to my house. That's just offensive. But, um, but we get those opportunities to contribute. So maybe it's the Girl Scouts coming to your door, or maybe it's the Bonnie Lake High School football team knocking on your door saying, do you want to buy my discount coupon card thing? And I bought it, and it's still sitting on the fridge after six months, and I've never used it. But it was worth it because I want to invest in my neighbors. I want to take the time, find the opportunities to invest in people. So I'm a sucker for Girl Scout cookies and coupons. Just come to my house. I'll buy whatever you're selling. Um, so, But the Samaritan did what he could. He got the man to a place that he could heal. He got him to the inn. And he said, even if it overruns the cost, I'm going to come back and I'm going to repay it. And it shows the extent that Jesus is saying we get to be there for our neighbors, the people that we see, and help them. The priest, the temple assistant, both passed to the other side of the road, and it's like they rolled into their garage without even, you know, the people that open the garage door roll into the house and shut their garage door and don't even come out. And so it's like I'm trying not to be that person by making my garage super messy so I can't even get the cars in there. And so if you want to try that, I'm sure husbands, your wives will love it. And so you say, I'm being a neighbor. And so, you know, just convincing them to do that. Um, Sorry, I thought that was going to be funnier, but garages are sensitive subjects, I guess. So I won't bring them up next time. But you can't treat your neighbor better than you treat your family. And so I just want to say that really quick. Is like your family knows when you're trying to impress a neighbor or you're trying to invest your time other places and you're first not investing into your family. And so we're, our next series here is called Homework at Open Life in the month of February. And we're going to be talking about loving, respecting, and honoring our spouses our children, and really getting to understand how can we love them, how can we respect them in a deeper way. And so I just want to say good luck trying to be a neighbor to people and love your neighbor if you can't first love your own home. That if you can't first love your own spouse or your own children. And so we're, what we're trying to do is we have this survey. If you open up your app, you can fill out a survey on there. You may have saw it on Facebook, so you can do it when you get home. But either on the app, it's on our campus page, or if you go online to Facebook, it's at homework. But we would love to hear, maybe you have advice about a way that your spouse just truly loved you, or maybe you have some uh, questions about like, you know what, when this happens in our marriage, what are we supposed to do? Or just anything that you can think of about marriage. We'd love to hear those things because we're kind of forming the talk space of those things and trying to answer those questions very directly. It's anonymous, so we're not going to like, you know, spew anything out that you don't want like spoken. So it's totally anonymous. And so we just want you to do that. We want these talks about marriage to actually be a a tool for you guys to utilize in your marriages. And so finally, this goes to question number three, is how can you pray for your neighbor? How can I pray for my neighbor? And I'm just willing to guess that the most common answer to that question today is, I don't know. And that's okay. That's okay. If 
because we get to work on that together. But let me just say is that when you pray for someone, you can't hate someone that you pray for. Like, that's like a super low bar like that we have, I think, in far as like the Christian love that Jesus tries to teach us to have. But like when you pray for someone, I think there's something that changes in your heart that says, I can't hate them. And so maybe that's a progress thing. So there's probably people that you could think of that you hate and you start praying for them. Maybe it's not instantaneous. But oftentimes, as you begin to pray, as God moves in you, you begin to see, you know what? I'm starting to understand their situation a little bit better. And so maybe this progresses to something where you actually think, like, as you're praying for people and as you're kind of getting to know them, it's like, man, like, we could actually be friends, I think. We agree on some certain things. We both like the Seahawks. Imagine that. We live in Seattle, you know? And so it's like you can find common ground when you take this time to pray for people, to understand them, get to know them's story. But truly, you can't pray for people unless you know who they are, unless you know a little bit about their story, and you know a little bit about what they might be walking through in their lives. And so I think as kids, like, this is super easy. Like, I remember, like, any kid comes to my house, hey, you want to go play football down the street? Yeah, let's go. You know, it's like, you just go out, you do it no matter what. And so I was like, now I think that's even frowned upon. It's like, oh, which kid are you going with? Which who are you hanging out with? And so I understand that, that we have to be careful and we have to, you know, be safe. But I think kids know this way better that they can find the common ground with, between each other very easily to just say, you know what, we're going to hang out. We don't have to know what they think or what they believe about every little thing before you get to know someone and want to pray them, pray for them. And so I think there's two ways that this can go. And so maybe you fall into one of these categories. And the first is that the first way, and so I'll use an example. This happened to Danny and I. Um, let me just start off by saying, like, we're growing in this too, so we're all together as a church. I don't want to stand up here and say, like, I'm the best at this because I found out that the people that live across the street and one house to the left, I'm actually related to, like, four months after they moved in. And so I'm a terrible person. And so I found out at, like, this family reunion thing that I was like, that's my neighbor, and we are related through marriage. Like, we're not blood, so I got that going. <laughs> but, like, through marriage, like, one relationship down, we're neighbors and we're family. So that's cool. And so you, when that moment happens, you're like, man, I really need to know my neighbors a little bit better. But on the flip side, the good way that this happened for me is we were coming back from the big give in the fall, and our neighbor was out doing some yard work next door. And so it was this time where I was, like, really tired because, like, the big gives a lot of work. And just, you know, you're on that high. You kind of just want to go, like, go into the house and watch some football or watch Netflix or whatever. Just relax for a second on a Saturday afternoon. But, you know, we used the opportunity to talk to our neighbor. And I say we loosely because a lot of it was Danny-driven, my wife. And so she talks to her. We get through this conversation we get to know who she is. We finally like meet officially, not just that, oh, hey, as you walk into your house. And so what was cool is what was just like an introduction conversation turned into like something that we could directly pray for her that week conversation. And so it was awesome to like walk through that just in that quick three-day period of being able to say, you know what? 
praying for you, and like we're really glad this worked out. And so it was just cool to see how that could progress so easily, so naturally. And so it's not rocket science. And if you know me, like, if you ever see me, like, at Walmart walking by, like, I encourage you to come say hi to me, but don't be surprised if it's, like, an awkward interaction. Because, like, I'm just, like, kind of awkward walking down the aisles. I'm, like, because I, I think, like, what do I know this person from? I know this person. And so, like, you probably look at me, you can see me processing and so, you know, it just works. It's like, if I see you, I'm going to say hi. And it's just going to be awkward. But it's fun because you're, like, neighboring people. You're neighboring people, and there's that opportunity just to get to know people a little bit deeper. So the one way is, like, we can let conversations get to know people deeper so that we can pray for them. But the other way that you can pray for people, and I don't advise this, but I think we often do it, is we just find ways, like, on our own that we can pray for people. Like, like God, I pray that you would give my neighbors some pride in their life, that they would be prideful enough to, like, do their yard. Or, you know, you think, like, I pray that you'd give my neighbors a sense of responsibility, that they would, you know, discipline their kids or their dogs, you know. Or we, like, you know, God bless them with a quieter voice so that I don't have to hear them yelling at night and stuff like that. That's not how you pray for people. (laughs) Let me just say, that's not how you do it. You don't find faults in people and say, I'm going to pray this out of you without even knowing your story or knowing anything about you. But if we could be people that get to know people, that see people as people, then we can pray for them. And so praying for our neighbors is not about what we think we can pray for. Praying for our neighbors is about what we know we can pray for. And so this is all about getting to know our neighbors, understanding who is my neighbor and how do I love them. And so today uh, we have something super very practical for you. On the screen is a picture of, I think it's going to be the back of your fill-in-the-blank card that is in your worship guide. So on here, we, what we're calling this is Your 8. If you love social media and love to hashtag things, you could write neighboring 8 and promote it. You know, just do that because hashtags are awesome. But the idea of this is that your house would be in the center, and then all these little blanks would be the 8 houses, 8 neighbors that are closest to where you live. And so you can think of this like, Front yard, backyard, kitty corner, kitty corner, next door, next door. Or you can just think about it like the people down your block that you see every day driving past you. Like, you know, get creative with it. Don't stress out about it. It's like, this is something to help you. Don't worry about it, you know. But like, what we'd love for you to do is think about right now. So two things what we want you to do. Think about those eight neighbors, or maybe it's seven because you live somewhere different, or maybe you have to get creative and think, like, who are my neighbors? Because I live way far out, and I really just don't have neighbors that live next door that I don't have that interaction with. So you get to think really hard about, like, who is my neighbor? Who do I, like, kind of interact with all the time? And so as we think about these things— We'd love for you to kind of understand who is my neighbor. And so what we'd want to do is use this as a tool over the next year in your lives to say, how can I get to know my neighbors better? And so what, if you would be willing to do this on your Connect card today, if you could just write 
a number out of eight, or maybe for you it's out of seven, say, who are the neighbors that I actually know? Like, I, could, I know their name, or if I saw them at the start, I'd be able to say, oh, hi, Jennifer, or hi, Cindy, or hi, Anthony, or whoever. That you would say, I know them by a first name basis at least. And you'd be able to write their names in these boxes. So maybe for some of you, that's zero. You literally don't know any of your neighbors. That's okay. No judgment here. Maybe you're like rocking and you got the eight. You're, you know eight out of eight of your neighbors because you are a great neighbor and you know people. And you can pray for them. For me, it's not eight. It's more like three or four. I can get to four if I stretch all the way down the block, you know, because I know that person at the corner. And so this is something that we all get to work on together. But we'd love to kind of track that for you. And then at the end of the year, we're going to ask again. And as we're talking about this more and more, we're not going to be talking about this specific, like, intense about neighboring. But that's the theme of the whole year. And so what we'd love to do is to track this with you so that we can say at the end of the year, hey, at the beginning of the year, you only knew three of your neighbors, but at the end, you know seven, or you know six, or even you know four. That's something to celebrate. That's called spiritual growth, if you think about it, that you are intentionally getting to know people so that you could pray for them. And so today, the final question is, how can you love your neighbor better today than you did yesterday? How can I love my neighbors better today than I did yesterday? When we look at this story, Jesus ends with this question back to the guy that was trying to trap him. And he says this to him. He says, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Which of these three would you say was a neighbor? And so if you notice, Jesus kind of changed the question. The original question that the guy had was, who is my neighbor? And that's the question we talked about today. Who is my neighbor? And so I think we all know who our neighbors are. They're the people that live closest to us. They're the people that we interact with every day. Maybe it's not our neighborhoods, but maybe it's the people at our work, at our job. Maybe it's our families who we just cannot stand. But they're our neighbors. And so Jesus changes the question. He's not about who is your neighbor, but it's like, are you a neighbor? Am I a neighbor? And I'm going to be honest here and say, I need to be better at this. Like, there's people that drive by that live, like, just two houses down. I don't know anything about them. The only thing I know is that they have kids that play outside. And they put the flag out there so cars don't speed by. So I, you know, I could try and, like, they're, oh, they must be protective parents. You know, I'm going to pray for that for them, that they would just learn to loosen up a little bit. And it's like, no, that is not neighboring. Neighboring is walking down the street when they're out playing and you say, hey, I'm Jaden. I live right there. I've never met you and I've lived here a year. I'm, I'm a sucking neighbor. It's great to meet you. Let's be friends, you know? But like, you know, it's awkward. I'm so good at the awkward, you know? But we can do that and it's not awkward. Then the next time you see him, oh, hey, Tim, good to see you. I'm glad we know each other now. And so that just builds relationships. So then maybe I see him at the 4th of July thing at my neighborhood because I'm going to be involved. I want to know who my neighbors are. And so then we can have a conversation. And so then maybe by the end of the year, I know something about this fictional guy named Tim 
and I would be able to say, you know what? I was able to pray that him and his wife stick it together in their marriage this year. Because he told me, you know, things are rough. Or he told me, you know what, my kid's really sick, and I don't know what we're going to do. And of course, if it gets into sickness and cancer and stuff like that, I'm just going to start crying, and so it's just going to be more and more awkward. But it's going to be more and more life-giving. It's going to be more and more of the love that Jesus calls us to have, of where we care for our neighbors, where we can answer not who is my neighbor, but are we a neighbor? Am I a neighbor? And so the action point today is simply pray for, by name and need, the eight by the end of the year. That's the challenge, is that by the end of the year, you would know the eight people that live closest to you. And so for those of you who don't have close neighbors, think about the eight people that you interact with the most in any given week and think, how can I pray for them this year? Maybe you'll, I mean, we sprung for cardstock today for these fill in the blank sheets so that you could take them home and maybe you want to put them in your, on your refrigerator or put them on your counter and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to keep this here so I can be reminded. And when I get to know a neighbor, I'm going to write their names in so I can keep track. And so by the end of the year, maybe, maybe you won't get it all, but maybe you'll get close. This is a challenge. It's not like, if you don't do this, don't bother coming back next week. You know, it's not like that. We just want to foster the love that Jesus has for us in your lives. Where you can say, I know who my neighbors are and I'm praying for them. And just imagine what that could do. Just imagine, like, just think on the super small scale the amount of love that you could show to someone else just by saying, hey, you know what? I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You might not even know that I'm a Christian, but I just want you to know I just prayed for you this week. I think it really sucks that you have to walk through that situation. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. If there's anything I can do, just call me. I live right here. I think that's the funny thing is like, as a neighbor, you're sometimes closer to people than family is by space. And so in a moment of emergency, you can say, dude, if you need anything, come over. I'm like right here. I'm willing to help. Like, you know, I know CBR. I got, I'm, I'm a lifeguard certified Y instructor. You know, I can come help you. Like I can do whatever you need rather than waiting for an ambulance to show up in like eight minutes. I know CBR. It's like, that's good to know. So I'm rambling now, and so I'm going to finish. But I think just this might not seem super spiritual to you that, like, you know, but it is super spiritual. So I'm not even going to let that be an answer for you. This is sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is to know people. That's the spirituality that Jesus fostered with his disciples. He said, get to know people get to know them with what they're doing in their lives. So I'm going to pray for you. If you want to use the response time to write how many people you know, we'll keep track of that for you. And we'll report back at the end of the year when you do that. We'll give you a high five. We'll be praying for you. Definitely we'll be praying for you. A lot. So God, we just come before you today. I pray for all these neighbors out here that you would empower them to get the courage to maybe, like, if they're like me, get rid of the awkward, 
and just learn to know people and understand people's stories and understand where they're at in their lives, God, that we would be able to pray for them and just see awesome things happen in our neighborhoods and in our community, God. And God, I pray, Lord, that over the next month as we talk about homes, as we kind of get super focused into what it means to be a neighbor to our own family, God, I pray that you would bless that. But God, let us use it to bless our families, God, to bless our neighborhoods, God, to bless our community, God, to bless our state, our country, our world, God. Let us know what it truly means to be a neighbor for people. That we would not ask the question, who is my neighbor? But we'd ask the question, am I a neighbor? That we would show mercy to those that we can show mercy to. At any moment, God that we can be life givers to people who might be walking through a hard time. God, let us do that. That's our prayer today. Very simple, but we just want to be a neighbor to people. Let us do that in your name. Amen.